Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on thebigscreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. It's Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. We're back and we are ready to go for... Yeah, I think you know what's coming. It's an October edition of Rick and Nick Talk Flicks, or at least a recorded October episode, so I think you know what might be coming since it's going to be a very subject-oriented show today. So, welcome back around. It's great to have you here. I'm Joel Hoover. Good evening, Mr. Hoover. Good evening, (laughs) Mr. Brooks. (laughs) Yeah. You're pretty excited. This is this is right up your alley in particular. Halloween, my wife and I, one of the reasons I married her, because Halloween is her favorite holiday just like it's mine. It's fun. Not just for the candy. Not just the candy shmandy. It's all, it's, it's, it's so steeped in lore and fun. What the best thing about Halloween is, is not to put bloody fake lungs and arms out under the lawn. The creepy factor. The creepy factor. It's not necessarily that. It's the fact that you're almost encouraged to be a little kid. And little kids getting to dabble in dumb kitty things, whether it's severed fake limbs on the on the lawn. It's just an excuse to costume. dress up and have yeah. fun and have candy and be a kid and watch silly movies. It's being a kid, and that's what you're supposed to do, and that's what I love about it. So we are going to dabble into Halloween and horror movies today, and maybe how, the dis- how's that again? Horror. No, how does the Pennsylvania say it? Horror. That's not how you said it. Horror. Horror movies. Horror movies. <laughs> you just like the way that I say things sometimes. Well, you know what? The way you guys say things is a little funny to me too. Sometimes. Hey, uh, guys, you want to go see the horror movies, eh? There you go. Yep. You can play you can make fun of yourself. Yeah. So, well very good. We'll talk about horror movies, Halloween movies, the distinction, all of the above coming up. We've also got some news and notes to get into today as well, but we start by saying the Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater and we're great to have them. It is great having them on board as our sponsor for this podcast because we love going to see movies at the Bemidji Theater, and it's a great place to go catch a film. Speaking of which, the most recent movie I saw was just in time for horror movies, It. That was ah, a good movie. It did go. And I'd heard, I'd, I'd looked and not seen, but I found it, the placard for Rick and Nick Talk Flicks at the Bemidji Theater. There it was by the snack bar, and I didn't want to be there. This is me. So I just kind of looked at it and said, yeah, I'll have to check out this awesome show. I've heard great things about it. You you turned and you, you pointed it pointed at it and you're smiling at the I think concessions mi- people and they were like, what's wrong with this guy? I think Missy had told them, we know who you are. You can stop promoting yourself. They are wise at the Bemidji Theater. I see. Great okay. spot to go. So, Dave, couple of news items to get into before we get to our topic, yeah. correct? Yes. Let's do, well, one, one real quick thing before we do that, before we get into the spo- uh, other than spoilers. We are yes. going to talk spoilers. Uh, this is talking flicks. So we're going to talk about uh, movies that we're not necessarily going to touch base on movies that are brand new in the theaters. We and do they may give be you, horrific spoilers today. Yeah. You might find out the twist at the end of the horror movie or whatever. So with Halloween viewing season underway, if you're going to watch a movie like, say, The Sixth Sense for the first time, and you've never seen it, you don't know anything about it, uh, we might spoil something for you about it. So if that topic should come up, um, otherwise, yes, 
the boat sinks at the end of Titanic, just in case you didn't know, and other good spoilers. Correct. So be forewarned. There might be something spoiling your movie. Good to remind. Well, real, before we get spooky, let's start talking what's going on here, breaking news overnight. Uh, and by the way, we're recording this uh, uh, in early October, just last night, early this morning. Big news, Harvey Weinstein forced out of his own namesake company over sexual harassment allegations. This yeah. is big bomb dropping news. And quite a few over the years, apparently, that have that have piled up that he was trying to, uh, according to reports, keep pretty quiet but now it's come fully into the open and he i i mean he's been such such a driving presence behind the Weinstein company and all the movies that that have come out of that that company and everything but this is this is huge news he's had uh and he hasn't denied anything and Miramax as well and Miramax yeah he's got to start there um and really did some big things got forced out of Miramax he and his brother started their own company and now he's forced out of that. So, I mean, there's a history of, of something getting – he's a difficult guy to be around and, and work with to what I've heard from people. He's a very capable, very charismatic guy, but he's got some personality issues, not just general sense of getting along, but apparently some issues with women now and has not denied any one of these things. And from big-name actresses and even TV reporters that have come forward and just put forth the story, it's an avalanche of people telling very similar stories mm. – it sounds in the same vein of Bill Cosby. I mean, it's amazing how far back things go with Cosby, how far things go back with Weinstein, and now he's forced out of his own company, which is funny because the board of directors are all men. Three of them resigned in the wake of this, and one of the remaining board of directors is his own brother, Bob Weinstein. Right. And so the remaining boards of directors, they had heard his case, and they kicked him out. So it's interesting. Bob Weinstein is going to continue running the Weinstein Company, and Harvey's out. Yeah, it's and it's hard to tell from the company's standpoint what might be in their future now because I mean they are very specific, selective. Yeah. They they do their own movies. It, it, it I think really is the best way to describe it. They are very specific that way with what kind of films they do. However, how will people view the company since Harvey was attached to it and with all that came with him and all that, all the past that comes back with him too? It's hard to tell here at this early point. What What is clear to tell, though, is that this is still, I think, being in development. This whole entire story is really very much in development at this point, but not many people are too surprised, it seems like. No, it, it, it doesn't sound like it, and it goes way, way back. He's, I mean, from just stuff that you read about, like, really? He honestly thought that was okay? And maybe this is an appropriate place to step in and just say, stuff like that, it just isn't cool, honest to goodness. I mean, there's some people we work with they have a little fun with things and you know guys and gals like and and Heidi down the hall has got a fun little quote she likes to say we don't criticize we critique you know so to some degree good natured harassment is okay depending on who you're talking to you know but as a general rule it ain't cool it just isn't cool no. if you know your audience and it's kind of a thing okay but there's always that line and if you don't know who you're up against and you're up against somebody you don't know at all you got to there is no line there just you just don't do it at all you know, you know, it, it's yeah, it's just ain't cool. And the stuff that you're reading about that he had done, um, I don't know how anybody could think, oh, this will be funny. No, it's not. Right. You know, it's just it's wrong. So just don't do it. Still a story in the works, but it seems like very reactive from the company because it seemed like more and more of these allegations were becoming public, and yeah. then they felt 
this is what we've got to do now to, to take care of this. So I'm sure there will be inquests into that as well of why the company waited until after this became a public deal to, well, and, to go through it. Yeah. And, and another thing that came up was, you know, people like Ashley Judd, for example, was pulled into this back in the day. Uh, Rose McGowan, during the time of the first Scream movie, was pulled into this. And apparently there were settlements in the past. And like you said, all the details aren't fully out yet, but it's starting to come forward. And it started with one gal that came forward. And other gals in the past would see if one person could do it, another person could do it. And this isn't just tied to sexual harassment. This is tied to other things, uh, and not just Bill Cosby either. This is tied to not just harassment, but rape and other kinds of things that mm. you do. You sh- it ought to come forward. you know. And so if one person can have the strength to bring forward the rest – I hope that that'll give others a source of strength so that they, too, can move beyond just being victimized and get get that story told and get something yeah. positive out of a negative. By the time, Dave, switching gears now, and, yeah. and this is obviously a story that is still in progress and developing in terms of its details, so I'm sure even as this podcast is released, there's going to be more that oh, yeah. will be coming and developing regarding Harvey Weinstein. In another vein... And in a, on a much lighter note, once this podcast is released, we will have the first full trailer for Star yeah. Wars The Last Jedi. Yeah, that's true. It will be out. It has taken this long. The beginning of October, there are two months to go until the movie. It has been shrouded in secrecy. There is only that teaser trailer and all the people dissected from that. And in what I think was a pretty wise move, they held off on giving... The full trailer, because you know what trailers do these days. They, they drop you so much information. So you've got to be careful with what you put out there. But Monday Night Football is tonight. The Vikings are playing the Bears, and they are releasing the trailer during that time. Yeah, this is going to be uh, – you know, I, I'll say this about trailers. I'm looking forward to it. I want to see it. Any movie that I really want to see, I will see the first main trailer, and then I will put myself on an embargo. I don't want to see any more because – well, we got to put out another. We could thing. do a whole podcast episode on that. I, I, I think we should, but they give out way too much, way too much. And I like, on some occasions, directors have shot certain scenes that were never going to be in the movie. And you're okay specific- with that? I have no problem with that. Some people flip out about that. Well, how come we saw this scene in the trailer, but it wasn't in the movie? Who cares? Some people will make specific scenes, like for example, let's say you have a Die Hard trailer. You can't have the Yippie Kaye line. Because there's another bad line that comes right after that that you might not want to show in front of the PG-13 movie. So well, they'll, they'll they'll film it specially where he'll leave out that last part. Yes, I was about to say, I have I have heard that in Die Hard trailers before where you just hear him say, yippee Kaye" and that's yeah. it. Well, and even, the, and, uh, what was the movie, Die Hard with, uh, what was the one with, um, with, with Justin Vengeance? Long? No, the one after that, die, Live Free or Die Hard. He says it as he kills the bad guy. Well, you can't show the line in the trailer because that's the moment where the bad guy dies. So they had to film it special so that it looks like a whole different situation so that it wouldn't give away the ending. I have no problems with that. In fact, if the trailer, the trailer really shouldn't give away much about the movie. The trailer is an advertisement for the movie. What it really ought to do is make you hungry for the movie. Whether it shows anything from the movie or not, if it makes you want to see the movie, right. mission accomplished. Yeah, it's building that hunger. Trailers these days have kind of become their own event in and of yeah. themselves. So that's part of the part of the funny 
process in all of this is that they've become their own event. Like I remember one of the great trailers I've ever seen was Inception with yeah. with the uh, the, the horns, horn. yeah, with the horns in there, and I I love that trailer, and I I ended up loving that movie too. But um, trailers have become an event these days. Some of them have become a really big event, but the, when there's too many of them. That's when there gets to be a problem because then you have too many pieces of footage you can put together. Yeah. You know, I, I like when some directors have this, not all do, you get creative cut over the trailer. And sometimes the studio will cut it without any in, input from the director. And sometimes it doesn't work out so well. Movies yeah. aren't marketed well or they just they show too much or they'll give something away uh, and you don't want to do that. I think if you have the power as your filmmaker, then take that power to I'm have final cut over this trailer. Or better yet, let me cut the trailer. You know, we can we can work together, but you know, that's an important ingredient. If you give too much away, it could kill box office return. So by now that trailer is out. We've probably dissected it quite a bit, so we'll get into it even more, I'm sure, by our next oh, yeah. episode of the podcast. Any other news and notes today, Dave? Actually, this is a pretty good segue into our Halloween edition. Yes, it is. They are making another Halloween movie, but that isn't in itself what the knowledge, the big the big fun part is. Jamie Lee Curtis is back. She is. And so is John Carpenter. Yep. So this is going to be a retail. Now, those of you who don't know, the 1978 Halloween is probably one of the best that was out there. You watch it today in 2017, it's very cliche. But in 1978, there were no cliches. You've got to it think set, context when you watch it. Yep. It set the bar. This was the first time any of that was ever seen. And it was iconic even still. So Jamie Lee had done Halloween 2, and uh, and uh, Don Carpenter was involved in it. He didn't direct it. And then Carpenter kind of dropped out, and so did Jamie Lee Curtis. Curtis came back for the 20-year reunion, H2O, and now it's like H4O. Basically, 40 years later, this will be out in 2018. Uh, she's back. John Carpenter is back and an executive producer and, to some degree, story mode to the point where the guys that are writing it, Danny McBride and his team, have come to, with Carpenter, and they run things past him. Well, this is what we're thinking. What do you think? And Carpenter's like, yeah, I really like this. So he's got involvement. And there are rumors that he might score the movie, too, which he had done for the first three, I think, Halloween movies. Yeah, the iconic Halloween score. Mm -hmm. That's John Carpenter basically remembering the, yeah, which is just a beat, that three, two beat. So we put music to it, and it's iconic. So he might come back to score it. They don't know yet. But that's pretty darn neat that not only are you getting one of them back, but both of them back. But that brings up the other thing in one of the sequels, spoiler alert, Jamie Lee Curtis's character gets killed off in one of the later sequels before even the credits roll. Um, it's sort of an homage to her mom, you know, uh, who was in the original Psycho shower scene. It gets killed off early in the movie. Right. So what exactly is the case here? How are they going to do it? And the talk is that it's it's a sequel, not a reboot, but it's going to take off after somewhere after the events of the original Halloween and go in its own parallel dimension however you want to say it so all the sequels that went after including h2o never happened and instead it went this way something along those lines so a bizarro world kind of scenario it's becoming a new thing in movies i mean from the star trek parallel timeline and the yes. Abr in the in the kelvin verse they're calling it 
or it's just a reconceptualization. We're going to start from this point in the movies and then go on a whole other sequel tangent. So the original timeline of sequels no longer count, and now these count. Or they can both count depending on which timeline you prefer. That's become the new remake, the reboot that doesn't ignore everything but goes in its own direction. Well, the X-Men have been trying to explain that here for the yeah. last couple of years. And they've they've sort of found a way to be able to, but it, it gets tricky when you really start to dive into some of those things. I'm... I'm really curious because it's it is seemingly hap- an everyday America kind of kind of setting for those movies. So how exactly are you going to accomplish that is still hard to tell. We kind of talked about that when we were talking about the canon, and and when yes. there's so much canon, where do you pick up if you're going to do another one? If all the canon has been waddled through the mud from sequel after sequel and it's not interesting anymore, what do you do? This is seeming to be the new thing. We're just going to start somewhere fresh. And blaze a new trail. But what about all... No, no, no. None of that ever happened. We're going to do a parallel universe where none of that happened. The original point will be the same for all the universes. And now we're going to spew in our own direction. Yep. So, okay, that's the new thing. And that's great. But the only problem is, how do you organize the DVDs on your shelf? In what order? That gets very complicated. (laughs) Very, very complicated. Do you put X-Men first class before the original X-Men, or is it a sequel? Should I get a second shelf that's parallel to the main shelf of DVDs? I don't know what to do. The great thing is everybody can make their own choice then of how they would best see it fit, and it wouldn't really be that big of a deal. By the time this thing airs, people will be saying, what's a DVD? What's a VCR? What's Betamax? (sighs) Oh, goodness. Anyway, that is a good segue into the Halloween topic for today, which is, which is the the movie topic that we are discussing today. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny, Dave, because you and I were discussing this um, with setting up this particular topic for today. And horror movies kind of have their own niche. And I have a question related to horror and Halloween movies at first, but but I thought you brought up a great point that horror movies – really remove themselves from the the critical realm in their yeah. own way because even though a movie like it was very well received critically horror movies can still do extremely well and they might not be the most i don't know critically acclaimed movies i think is maybe the best way to put it they might not get that and yet they can still be pretty loved by people who love the horror genre and really that's why you see so many horror movies that come out in a given year, because the horror genre is a very unique genre. Yeah, and, and very rare is the horror movie that gets a positive review. Of course, there for every It, for every Silence of the Lambs, there's a bucket load of all these other schlocky movies. And even if they're well regarded in pop culture, like Friday the 13th, I don't think ever really ever one of them got a great review. Even the original never got a, a fantastic review. And, and that's, that's the other key, too, sequel on sequel on yeah. sequel, which decline in quality more and more with each one. Depends on your perspective, I guess, and depends on each. My favorite of the Friday the 13th movies is number six, to tell you the truth. Really? Yeah. But it's, and I, we can get into that later. But uh, some people just have a built-in thing they don't like. Horror movies, just straight up. So when a review for a horror movie comes out, I almost don't even look because it's not worth looking. You can look at a horror movie fan site that they might like horror movies anyway, but they tend to like all horror movies, maybe some more than others, but still, or they have a different criteria. The more gore, the better, and maybe the story isn't served by gore. Uh, I was talking to somebody recently about the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and everyone thinks of it as a bloodbath. I don't recollect any 
blood in that movie at all. It's all implied. It's very macabre as far as what's going on, but it's not like today where it's all right in your face. Yes. It's all implied. After the first one, it's another story, but it's not the bloodbath that ever, the psycho. Everyone remembers seeing blood in the black and white shower, but there is there is none. It's all, what they used for that was chocolate syrup. There is no red in that movie at all. So it's, it depends on your perspective, and some people are have an anti-horror movie built-in bias, while others don't. So reviews, you really can't take them for anything, for a horror movie. Horror movies, yeah, it, it's interesting that you bring that up, Dave, because they started out as thrillers, yeah. really. And then they sort of evolved into horror movies as movie development and movie taste change, and as rated R type of films started to become more commonplace thrillers started to take on more of that horror type of look. Psycho was one of the big game changers in that regard, according to a lot of people, because it was the first quote unquote slasher horror movie because, because of the, because of that, the, the, the gritty, you know, the gritty nature of the, the literally the slashing nature with, with the knife and everything and, and the showers with the shower scenes. So that started to change things. A little bit, but it, it really took, I think, ten years after that for things to really start to change when it came to horror movies. The seventies were a huge time for horror films. When you look at some of the ones that came out, Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out came out there. Later on in the seventies, you have the first Halloween when it came along. The Hills Have Eyes. When Last did the house fir- on the left. When did the first Friday the Thirteenth come? Nineteen eighty. So a little bit later on then, but. Same idea, though. Then the 80s, it even picked up even more. Nightmare on Elm Street came into the picture then as well. So the 70s and 80s really started to get the ball rolling more on this idea of taking the thriller piece, which had been in place for for many years. I mean, Hitchcock, we've talked about Hitchcock on previous episodes of, of all he did with the thriller genre. The thriller genre, though, really started to evolve then as movie taste and what was allowed in the movies evolved and started to take on more of that horror type of piece with with the uh with some of the subject matter and with some of the the ways it was presented visually and started to then become very intertwined with Halloween itself. Well, I think you you're absolutely right about the origins of horror and I think to the point that horror movies maybe initially became a subgenre of thriller. I think over the decades, it has very much become its own genre. And while there are some that will cross over a little bit, while it's a horror thriller, okay. But I think it's to the point now where horror itself has its own subgenres. It's no longer a subgenre. It is its genre. But whether you're talking slasher horror or what they call the torture porn, gore porn, like Hostel and Saw, which is its own subgenre. Um, monsters like Frankenstein and Dracula, gothic horror, you know. It's uh, about the shock factor is yeah. what it is. It's about the shock factor and the life and death nature of that shock factor. You're talking about the splatter porn, gore porn, or just horror? Well, horror in general, yeah. Well, that, and that brings up another kind of a, a broad question about horror movies. You know, we're talking about blood and guts and mayhem and stuff, things you wouldn't invite into your everyday normal life. So why do we, as moviegoers, like to invite that into our everyday life when it comes to watching a horror movie and invite that kind of thing into our house? What is it about horror movies? And before we start getting into the movies themselves, you know, there's a lot of people that just straight up don't like horror movies. And even across this table, we kind of have an example of that. You're not a big horror buff. Well, I myself 
Halloween is my all-time yeah. favorite holiday almost every night. We're putting on something spooky. I mean, I've watched horror type of movies. It's not exactly my first genre that I would pick from, though. I, like, even when I when I just um, I was just getting settled in in a new place and a friend asked me, Hey, do you have any horror movies? And I was like, No, I don't. I, I don't really have any. I, I told him, I watch them, and I'll watch them casually and stuff, but... It's just not a genre that I grew up with, and it's not a genre that I'm particularly interested in. It's not that it, it, it scares me or anything. Yeah, the stuff is freaky, but it, it's not like I, I own any of them or it's really it really appeals to me that much. I like something different when it comes to plot development, story development, and sure. and things like that. But I've watched them, though, and, and I've watched more and more here last year. I went through a couple of those marathons that they had going on on TV. Like, I watched a couple of the Halloween movies. I watched a couple of the Friday the 13th movies. And I could see why people of that genre love diving into that genre. They Because they love getting a scare, Dave. Going back to what yeah. you said of why does this appeal to people, it's because people love getting a scare. Some people just love stepping into that and saying, okay, Come scare me. Come freak me out. Or I want to see something that is that is shocking, that that is of a fantasy type of nature and that is that is just kind of shocking. And I like a movie that provides a little bit of that. So from a movie fan's perspective, and I'm, this is a question for you, if somebody brings up one of those all-time horror movie staples, say The Exorcist, you know, that's that's a hardcore horror movie oh, yeah. in a lot of ways. It's a little more dated nowadays. Another one from the 70s. Yeah, yeah. from the early 70s. And it, it really, I mean, well, even now it's got a TV well, it series. Is, and, it is freaky, though, when you watch it. I mean, I remember. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah, okay. I've seen it. First time that I that I watched it when I was in college, I was like, that is a creepy movie. That is such a creepy movie, and it didn't matter that it was from 1973. I knew that at this time, being able to do these things with the girl crawling down the stairs and with with all that they did with the self-levitating and spinning her head around and all of that, that was stuff that had not been seen before in the movies, but and beyond that the, was but super beyond, creepy. Beyond the effects... For somebody that doesn't like horror movies, and you're going to sit down with somebody, hey, let's watch this and pick a horror title that's lived in infamy since forever. Right. You know, as a movie fan, what is your impression? Or, well, yeah, okay. What's your impression of something like that? What is it about not liking a horror movie but be willing to, yeah, okay, sure. Kind of, you're you're the other side of this table where I'm like, yeah, sure, let's watch it, you know. Yeah. So your perspective on your side of the table. I don't know. Sometimes there, it's it's almost too shocking in in some ways, or and, and with being rated uh, with a lot of these being rated R, you get the 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 gore and you get the you, you get the violent nature of it that is like explicit. Wow. Oh yeah, very explicit. Depending on the movie. Yeah. These days it can be of a very explicit nature. So, so that's where I come off on it too. It it just doesn't uh, appeal to me in the same way that it does other people because I just have a different kind of taste and I'm I'm like have you I, had, I can't take too much of that. Have you had experiences where you'll be watching something and at some point like, you know what? I'm out. I've seen all I need to see. I'm out. this just ain't doing it for me. If it's me. on TV, yeah. There's okay. there's been times where I'll I'll see that, but but then I see other horror movies that are that are pretty well developed in terms of plot and story. Like it seems like it has that figured out. It has kind yeah. of that that middle ground figured out a little bit on on getting the scares in, but not going too over the top with 
what kind of scares do you give? Because even when I think about something like Psycho, you, you get you get the scares in there and, and it just it makes your spine tingle, but it's not it's not that visual kind of gore and shock that, that I think movies of a horror nature continue to incorporate these days. You get back to that that creepiness, that oh kind yeah. of creepy feeling. If you could which, do it on multiple levels where it's it's just creepy but not yeah. scary, but at the same time you do get your jump scares. I can oh yeah put it together in a good blender and you get a movie like Psycho and I, others. Or paranormal or activity. Paranormal activity. I, which I've seen a couple of those and man, oh man creepy. they make your skin crawl. Those first couple of ones. It's like wow, this is downright creepy. And talk about innovative. That was another one that that went down the innovative path, almost like the Blair Witch Project did in, in a similar vein, using that that camera type of setup to, to do something a little bit different. And online marketing, too. Blair Witch changed the course of everything, and you weren't really sure, is this an actual found documentary, or were these actors? Yeah. You know, there was a movie that, uh, it's it lives in infamy. I've not seen it, but it was one of those uh, late 70s, early 80s called Cannibal Holocaust. It's, oh yeah, and it what was a title. It was kind of a phone footage thing of people that ran across a headhunters gang in Africa and just got eaten alive, and it shows all this stuff. And people weren't, and the filmmakers actually at one point got arrested because people thought they'd actually filmed people being massacred like this. And they had to prove in court that these people actually still lived. But as part of the deal to market this, to do this movie, and you were a victim in the movie, you could not appear in a film for a year because they kind of wanted to get wow. that illusion that these people went to film this movie and they never came back. They've never been in anything since to help create the illusion. It's all fake. Nothing is real. Um, but it didn't come across like that. Did it all work out in court? It Well, nobody went to jail more than a couple of nights when they oh first got arrested. Gosh. It's not a great, I've never seen it, like I said, but it's it's basically probably one of the earlier one of the splatter gore campaign. Okay. You're going to see everything. So if that's not your thing, and it's not really <laughs> my thing, I don't have a desire to see it. Right. But the fact that things like that live in infamy helps give horror that reputation. Oh, yeah. So, but that's the other question. What is it about horror movies that people on my side of the table like? Or anything that people like that want to go see a horror movie. It's my wife is into medicine, so she'll tell you the scientific. Well, the medulla oblongata fajita, you know, in your brain, it triggers and it loves. It's like the roller coaster. You know, you're going on to something that terrifies you, but at the same time, you know you're in a safe, controlled environment. You're going to walk away at the right. end. But it's kind of fun to tickle your fight or flight reflex when you know you don't really it's have the to. Thrill act on factor. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So watching something like that, horror movies work better. In a dark room. They work better in oh, yeah. a theater. They work better in an unusual location when you're not surrounded by all your comforts of home. So going to watch Scream on the big screen and you've never seen it before is much more effective than watching it in your cozy, comfortable living room where you know that noise in the other room is just the ice maker. You know, It's different. And so it gets you out of your comfort zone and it gets you out of your comfort zone, which mm-hmm. makes it kind of fun. And then you get into, well, what are you going to watch? And you get, oh, what a buffet of horror movies they are and subgenres. And, um, you know, the ones I like the most are the ones that have, you know, gore more. I mean, Psycho's an awesome movie, and there really isn't any gore in that movie at right. all. Other than when he turns the chair around and you realize that Mother is a decrepit skeleton. Yes. You know, there's really no gore in that movie. And so what is it about a horror movie that makes it fun? Look at Friday the 13th, for example. Friday the 13th is a perfect example that the lore, the legend, the franchise is much more than the sum of its parts. 
if you go and watch, and I'm sure there'll be a marathon on AMC or something this October. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to watch all, and there's 13 of them right now. If you watch all of them, including Freddy vs. Jason, there's 13 of them. If you're going to watch every single one of them, I think there's 13 of them. If you're going to watch every single one of them back to back and try to figure out what it is about Friday the 13th that's so special, you won't get it because it's more than just the movies. It's more than the video game that's tearing up sales right now. It's about everyone who was wearing a hockey mask. Everyone went through a haunted house and got the guy in the hockey mask jump out at you. It becomes much more than the sum of its parts. None of those movies is really heralded for being an awesome story or an awesome um, example in filmmaking. It's a ride. And whether it grabs you or it doesn't grab you, it's fun. So when you get off the roller coaster, did it matter how many banks and turns were in it and how well it was constructed, so long as you don't fall out of the car? Or was it just a great thrill ride and you had a great time and it's over? That's kind of the barometer is when it was good. And it makes you really consider reconsider going to that camp in the woods. I know. So there's that too. Which is funny. The actual camp in the first one is a Boy Scout camp, which is in New Jersey. And they, they herald the fact that this was where they filmed the first movie. And a friend of mine went to a hockey camp there. And realized as we were watching the movie, I've been to this camp. I'm not even making this up. This was this. I've been there. That's the cook's cabin and blah blah blah. Good thing you didn't he was realize. Right. Good thing you didn't realize that while he was there. That would he have been kind kid of scary. At the time. He was so. a, yeah. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. We are pleased to have them aboard as a sponsor for this podcast as we continue to talk about Halloween movies and about horror movies. And let me ask you a question related to that, Dave, because this came to mind okay. when we were preparing for this. Is there a distinction between a horror movie and a Halloween movie? And I'm not just talking about the Halloween movies. Yeah. Is there a distinction between a horror movie and a Halloween movie in your book? Mm. Or can you watch any horror movie around Halloween and it basically serves the purpose? Yeah, but I would say there are some movies that tap more into Halloween. And we're not talking about the franchise. We're not talking about Michael Myers per se. Um, but yeah, there are some, you know, Halloween, the holiday has got its own lore, its own mythology. There's fall, there's uh, yeah. you know, with the, the pumpkins, there's, there's all the, the, the changing of season that comes with that, the harvest, all of the above. And even if you go further back than that, what is Halloween itself? You know, depending on what background you're talking about, if you're talking about say Druids back in the day, you know, and Stonehenge and all of that, well, there's that element. If you're talking about the fact that some people believe it's the barrier between life and death is really thin, like it tends to be about you know 3 a.m., they call the soul's midnight, maybe there's something to be said about that. Maybe it's the fact that everything outside for harvest is dying as winter approaches, and maybe there's something with that. So how much does that all tie into things? And can you get a movie that taps into that? The Halloween movies, and I do mean Michael Myers in this sense, they did. They tie into that, and later down the road, Druid Priest had something to do with some of this. So it does kind of tie in a little bit. And other movies like The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is one of my all-time favorite oh, short man. stories. It was, And er, most incarnations of it have been fantastic. Everything from the Disney version, if you've ever seen that from the, geez, when would that come out? That was somewhere in the 50s, 60s with uh, Bing Crosby narrating it. That's, a, that's an awesome cartoon and it's creepy as heck. Uh, one of my all-time favorite Halloween movies is the Tim Burton version, Sleepy Hollow. It's just fantastic. It just is. It's gothic. It's got jump scares. It's pretty well done. I can watch it. We watch it every Halloween at our house. It's yeah. just a fantastic movie. Um, and then everything else. Uh, some movies will tap into it and others won't. 
But whether it does or it doesn't, I don't know if I can distinguish between a Halloween movie and a horror movie. But clearly some horror movies get into the Halloween vein more than others. And, and, and maybe that has something to do with it. But I really don't draw a distinction. I'll watch everything from Silence of the Lambs to uh, the Twilight Zone movie. It just it doesn't matter. Something spooky and tingly and creepy works for me. Okay. I was, cu- I was really curious how you would answer that and to what extent. Because depending on what you see on TV at this time of year, I think is, is an interesting indicator of what some of these, these TV networks and even what some of these movie producers deem a movie that is of a Halloween type of caliber, or you can really center it around Halloween. Um, the Halloween movies, I mean, they clearly worked to to do that very thing. Friday the 13th, I mean, the, it's more so centered around the day than around but Halloween even, itself, but it but still even gets not, tied in. Even not really. You know, they, the Halloween movie had a little something to do with Friday the 13th. The producers figured that there wasn't anything set around Friday the 13th. They bought the rights of the title without having any idea what the movie was going to be about. And even if you follow the movies chronologically, they don't take place on Friday the 13th. You'll watch one of them, and it's supposed to be on the weekend, and then the next movie takes place the next day. Well, wait a minute. Then it would be, what was this a Wednesday now that this is taking place on? It, the chronology just does not work out because it, it, logic doesn't happen in a lot of horror movies. And I think to an extent, you almost have to have a lack of logic. Why would you run there? Why wouldn't you run out there and get away? The car's exactly. right there. What are you doing into the basement where the cleavers are kept? What's it's, wrong with you? It's a classic thing that people say when they watch these horror movies of, why are you making that decision? Yeah. I would like, I always in the back of my mind come up with ways. It's like watching those true crime murders. You know, you find some story about a guy that did something. You're like, well, that was stupid. If I was going to do this, I would do it like this and like this. And you realize you're kind of diabolical when you put your mind to it in a way. So same thing with a horror movie. How could you come up with a really good horror movie that's going to work in some degree of logic? Well, nowadays, everyone's got a cell phone. You could call in and call 911, and the movie would be five minutes long. And it would be So you have to find ways to make it logical which is almost impossible, but not impossible, you'd have to have a reason that cell phones are not working for some reason. Well, that brings up another interesting topic, Dave, and it's kind of a a rounding-off topic, but where do you see horror movies going in the future? Do you think that that could be something that would be innovative in terms of changing the genre a little bit, bringing in more realistic type of scenarios like that and yet that adds to the scariness of it all. I think one example, and I didn't get to see it, but from what I read, it was it was very it, – it hit on a couple of things like that was Get Out. And yeah. earlier this year, it, it, at least topically – A huge surprise, yeah. To, yeah, topically some of the things were, were really modern day or relevant. And I think, I think then it added, it added in some of the – some horror elements too, but it also added in a, a certain sense of – realism to it all is that where they need uh, is that where horror movies need to go in terms of maybe not the the gore and the 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 silly scenarios type of thing but the horror is the fact that this seems so real Mm, no i think you know get out was a really interesting story that was actually a play on race so there was was, was an there was an underlying uh 
uh, what, what's the word here? There was an underlying mor- moral, if you want to put it this way, put it that way. So that was the realism part to it. Even yeah. Though, even though there were, I think, other elements that maybe weren't quite the, the same in terms of realism. But. Yeah, but there's, there's another thing to look at. That was done intentionally by the filmmakers. It has been claimed, and a lot of the early people in the slatter, or the, the, the slasher movie genre said this was never their intention, but it worked out this way, was that it's moral – in those Friday the Thirteenth movies, because the people that go out into the woods, they're smoking drugs, uh, they're they're having a lot of drinks, they're having premarital sex, and they all get slaughtered. It's always the girl that's the virginal girl that doesn't do any of that stuff. That's always the final girl that outsmarts the killer in the end. So a lot of people thought it was a moral play. If you go out there and do bad things, you're going to get killed. And none of the people that were ever involved in the original Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween or Texas Massacre ever said, "No, that was never our intention." But it did kind of work out that way. You know, a little bit when you watch those movies. Yeah, I did kind of think about they that. They played on that in Scream, so that when you get the the lead girl, who you think is going to be the main girl, finally she loses her virginity in the movie. You're like, oh, all bets are off here, you know, because she's she's gone and done it, and she just had a drink, and she might be smoking some drugs later, shooting up heroin. You never know. She's on the table now. She don't know if she's going to make it out because everybody else that had come before her were always the pure ones. So, is it a moral play or is it not? I think. Regardless of whatever the subject is and whatever the MacGuffin is, the moral or their lack of moral, I think horror works best when it kind of walks that line. It's it's not ever going to be based completely on logic because it's not about logic. It's about primal. And I'll give you an example. The sc- According to me, the scariest movie there is is Jaws, the original. It I Google swimming in Minnesota lakes now. I'm a Minnesota boy born and raised. I swim in the lakes all the time. And without fail, I will jump into a lake at some point. And I know in my head, with my intelligence and my logic, the biggest fish in this lake is no longer than my shin. But it doesn't matter. I'll be looking down at my feet dangling into this big green void of lake water below me. And I swear to God, I just saw a big gray blur the size of a greyhound bus shoot past me. And every scene from Shark Week or whatever comes roaring back. And I need to get out of the lake now. That's not based on logic. It's based on a primal in your gut fear thing. It completely overrules sometimes. So can you make a movie that's completely logical, that's horror? I think the whole thing would fall apart. You'd have to extremely meticulously construct it in a way that would almost become not its own genre. It would be a stand apart. Plus, it would be more of a thriller suspense kind of movie. It feels like horror almost has to go into the realm of this this couldn't happen in real life. But think- it it almost has to if you want it to work in the way that it works. Because otherwise, it's just a thriller or a suspense kind of movie because of the realism. Well, it, it depends on your perspective, though, too. And not to get too heavy, but, I mean, we just got over this Las Vegas thing. And Vegas, and I wouldn't say get over. It's still very much a raw thing with us. In a lot of ways, that became a slasher thing. People are going to the carnival concert. They're going to watch. They're going to drink, maybe do some drugs, and they all got slaughtered. You know? It's it's something hardcore, so how believable is it when it's happening every day, whether it's a guy in a hockey mask or a guy perched up in a hotel balcony? It's just it's stuff that does happen. So if you're thinking about, and I'm sure the people in the event were thinking, this can't be happening, this can't be happening, but it was. So if you tap into something like that, and maybe that's not the best analogy to tap into something like we said that's not the kind of thing you would invite into your daily lives, but we invite it into our daily lives and we go and watch those spooky movies. So it's about getting 
enjoyment out of horrific situations, but it's in how it's presented. When it's really real like that, and it's real life, that's pretty hard stuff. I, if there was ever a movie made about something like that, I don't think I'd want to see it. But to watch something that is not based in reality, that's not based in logic, that works much more on a primal level, I will go watch a, a Texas Massacre movie, or I will go see Jigsaw or something like that. They're horrific, but they're so unbelievable, but they work on a primal level. So there's that disconnect. As much as it connects, it disconnects. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense. Maybe I went to a darker place than well, maybe I should have. Well, but. it is It is kind of a weird – it puts horror movies in a weird place in terms of yeah. people's psyches because people like to be scared and they like to they like to get that, that kind of that jump factor or that creepy factor. And yet it is it is strange that when you have these, these real-life scenarios that sometimes happen that are – kind of hard to to believe or to put into words sometimes that that happen that way and yet they can sometimes be the basis for horror or slasher or thriller or or different types of movies like that but but when you get yeah when you get these these that's where the elements of of fantasy and of the the sometimes the spiritual come into to play too with some of these horror movies as well that that sort of distinguish and separate them a little bit um in, in that way but the the reason the original topic came up was that it is always interesting to me when a horror movie comes out how is it different from the genre how is it different from what we've come to expect from the genre because i think people who are of the horror film ilk who are making horror films are trying to figure out how to do that these days i think the horror genre, like a lot of other genres, is going to reinvent itself. There's times where it'll get stale. Like, look at slasher movies. They were gold in the late 70s and 80s, and by the mid-80s, they just crashed. They just crashed. So Jason couldn't save them, Freddy couldn't save them, and it just it wasn't happening. And into the 90s, horror was just kind of, eh. You might get the exceptional Silence of the Lambs, but it wasn't until Scream came out that it took that genre gave it a wink and a nod, spun it on its ear, and reinvented it. And then you got a whole bunch of others that came out to capitalize on it, like I Know What You Did Last Summer and like Urban Legend. So then, then it'll reinvent itself again. And it came up with different subgenres like the gore porn, which I think is kind of like speed metal. It's kind of died out a little bit. It's not what it was. But then again, you do have Jigsaw coming out here pretty quick. But you got some other spooky movies that are going to come out that are always going to reinvent uh, you've got uh, Universal is trying to bring up this dark universe thing that has right. not has not gotten to a good start, and it sounds like they're starting to back away from it now. They're getting ready to start the Bride of Frankenstein. They've put it on a temporary pause, and they're going to start to disconnect from this universe. They're going to basically do the opposite of what Marvel has done after trying to do exactly what Marvel had done: come up with individual properties and really tie them together. I think they're starting to have second thoughts, which is probably not a bad idea. Because in that case, you're looking at each movie to be a commercial for the movies that are yet to come. I think each movie needs to stand on its own. If you make a good movie, The Mummy, and not focus so much on how it might tie into other things that have yet to see, then it doesn't matter. If you make a good movie and then you have other things from the later that will tie into things from the past, there's your connection. Make it good now. Connect them later. So Universal's starting to back away from that idea. And maybe that's not a bad thing. I don't think when they made Dracula and Wolfman and stuff back in the Golden Age, I don't think they were planning on threading them all together. I just think it worked out that way. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm i curious to see what what they come up with over and over again to try, to try to find new ways to scare people. Because that's part of it, too, is that 
people get scared differently now than they used to to get scared and, yeah. and it, it it sort of changes over time plus a lot of people are are become, desensitized in yeah. a different yeah people have become really desensitized it feels like which is not not great on the whole uh, when when you think about it it's not it's not that great because then you see the direction that these movies have gone and it's like whoa that's i mean it's gotten pretty dark and it's gotten pretty gruesome that's why i appreciate the horror movies that that go back to some of, some of the roots of it in the creepy factor the the creepy factor you don't just need the visual things to to be able to to get the scares there's the creepy factor that can get the scares too there's the always that chill that you feel when you're walking in a dark place at night yeah is that there how do you how do you expound on that because that kind of chill factor i think the best movies are the ones that find a way to work that not just try to throw visual stuff on screen that is that just seems to get more and more explicit all the time i think what's going to really make it or at least give it a good chance to is inspiration um take for example a horror movie like halloween 4 and halloween 5 they're part of a big franchise you got a built-in thing they came up with a whole new thing for halloween 4 the main guy had been killed off in part two the idea was they were going to change the entire franchise so that halloween was going to be a movie that was going to come out every year, but every story would be different. Just so happened that parts one and two were about a masked serial killer who got killed off. Okay, so number three, we're going to do something completely unrelated, and audiences weren't ready for that. So part four, they brought him back, and that's what the franchise is known for. They did four and five almost right on top of each other. They were they were made about a year apart, came out about a year apart. It was, we got to keep this franchise going. Let's strike while the iron is hot. While number four was very inspired, Halloween 5, it's a big letdown, and I got to think that's where there was a lack of inspiration. It was more of a business decision. Let's strike while the iron is hot. So now that's just one example of many examples where there was no reason to make this movie at all. There was no inspiration at all. Let's just do it. Um, so We've yeah, seen that so often. But yeah. then you get things like, why hasn't there been a Friday the 13th movie in almost 10 years now? Clearly, there's a hunger for this genre. The last one was the reboot in 2009. They've made about a couple of different attempts to try to make one happen. And for whatever reason, the studio gets cold feet and pulls the plug just before they're ready to film. And some of the ideas that have kind of leaked out on the internet are really interesting. Some of them were set in the 80s. Found footage was an idea. Um, and some of them sound like they were really love letters to the franchise that were creative and inspired. But for whatever reason, they're not going to make them now. But then you get the game, and people are going crazy for the game right now. So clearly there's that fandom out there. Maybe not you, but a lot of people are big crazy for the game. So if you got that hunger and the franchise is alive, why can't we come up with something to get it back on the big screen? So is there a rush to get them out just to capitalize on money? Absolutely. But is there maybe too much of a, of a cautious nature? And people want it, so give them something good from people that are clearly inspired to do it and do it well, like the new Halloween movie. You got John Carpenter involved. You got Jamie Lee Curtis involved. It sounds like it's going to be something interesting, but since it doesn't come out till Halloween 2018, remains to be seen. Right. How's that for a wrap-up? That's a pretty good wrap-up. I think the, the bottom line is these these horror and these horror type of movies need to be reminded that it's not just about that, that chase for the cash like you were talking about there. The story is still where it all begins. The story and the elements to the story are why some of these movies have become legendary in horror lore and in Halloween lore. And their roots are in thrillers, which have really solid story elements to them start with your story and then add the scares in from there 
and then add the the mythos in from there as well. Let me add, we'll finish it with this. Since you're not a huge horror movie buff, if you would like to contribute to good movies to check out for Halloween viewing, rental or whatever, uh, please jump in. But I don't know if you would have a couple off the top of your head that you would want to suggest, but I can think of a couple good ones. Um, so I'll give you three that come to mind. First of all, like I said early on the podcast, my wife and I are big fans of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I suggest watching one of those. Right. The, the TV series was pretty good early on, maybe kind of changed as it went. Um, but the Tim Burton one in particular, it's it's fantastic movie. I would suggest highly watching it. If you want to go into one of those big franchises, you can't go wrong with the original Halloween, but that shows up on everybody's list. I would suggest if you want to go into one of those big franchises – do Friday the 13th 6. You don't necessarily need to know what happened before, and it's the first one that intentionally uses humor. And it's the only one that actually has kids at the camp. So it, it works. And it's just a fun movie. It was designed to be fun, and it is. It's a great watch. And tying with that would be the 2003 remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It is gory, but it is good. And you don't need to know anything that happens because it's a, a remake, and I think it does it well. The last one I will say, okay, I guess this is four. So this is the last one I'll suggest. It's kind of an under the radar, but it's picking up steam as it goes forward. It came out eh, five, longer than that, maybe seven, eight years ago, called Trick or Treat. Dan Doherty, uh, who's teamed up with Brian Singer and a lot of things, had done this. Um, and so it's basically like a pulp fiction for Halloween. It's a bunch of loosely interconnected stories that are all they kind of touch base on one another, but they're very steeped in Halloween. Pulp Hall- Fiction for Halloween. It is the Halloween Pulp Fiction is what it is. Trick or treat. Trick apostrophe R treat. You can find it out there. And it's not all that old, but it's a really good, covers a lot of bases. You might even like it. Okay. Interesting. So there's my suggestions of movies you may not have thought about for this year's Halloween viewing. You're welcome. I mean, the- <laughs> well done, Dave. I mean, the ideas that I, that I have. I mean, they're pretty they're pretty general ones. I mean, I'm more of the let's go the creepy route. Give me with, some with some of these, the paranormal activity movies. Sure. If you are more of a creepy horror movie kind of person, you cannot go wrong with those because man, are they creepy? They are super creepy to watch. They actually they were just on TV last night. So and even watching them, I and I've seen them a, a couple times now. You know what's going to happen by the end. It just makes your skin crawl because it's like, oh man, that's you just They're see creepy, it going yeah. bad, and it's like, oh no, this is this is not good. You see random stuff moving, and it's like, oh man, that's still weird to see. So, but for me, I'm more of a a, a thriller type. So I go back to Psycho again, and if you haven't seen it since it is a little bit older, it is one of the great classics. Have and you seen Psycho Two? No, I haven't. I'll loan it to you. It's the only sequel worth watching. It's it's good. 22 years later, he's out of the asylum, and oh boy. weird things start to happen. So is he slipping into insanity or something else happening? Is Norman Bates responsible for what's happening, or is his mind slipping, or is somebody else responsible? It's, it's very, very well done. It's one of those movies that when you have a great movie and they make a sequel, you're like, how much am I going to wish they didn't make another one after I see it? You won't. It works. I'll loan it to you. You'll like it. Yeah, but the the, the original Psycho. You can't beat just, the original. It's Cannot just so, beat it. it. It's so dark because you you see Hitchcock and you know that he's got that creepy. Uh, there's there's a, sometimes a creepy or a dark element to those movies. But then you watch Psycho and it's like, 
Oh, yeah. What? Like halfway through, you go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This what is, did I What is this? This just movie? went something completely different than what I'm used to, and it's it's crazy. I would have I would have loved seeing it back when it first came out, although I'm sure the, the shock that it was met with by audiences was was really something. But, you know, that's that's where I stand on it. I'm I'm a little bit more thriller oriented or a little bit more of chill scare oriented rather rather than your palette which is a little bit more spread out psycho but, but that's the great thing about horror movies is that the palettes can be different yeah and psycho in itself is such a i know we're going down a tangent one more time i'll just go I'll indulge this last one and then we'll wrap it up psycho in itself is its own it, there's nothing else like it because it does it's, it's almost two movies that are it changes complete direction about midway through. Yep. The whole movie starts out as a gal stealing money from her company. And you're like, well, okay, she's on the run. Okay, well, what a psycho. Yeah, okay. And she stays at this rainy motel, and things go weird. And she's the lead actor, of this, the actress of the movie, and she doesn't make it. And you, what? The whole movie changes. And nobody back in the day knew that this was the case. They marketed it, like we were talking about trailers, not giving any of this away. And none of the trailers was there anything about anything. You just knew there was a murder in a bathtub. That's all there was. And you didn't know who was doing what and what was going on. And let alone at the time, she was a huge actress. And here she's killed off in the beginning. Yep. Kind of like Drew Barrymore was in the original Scream. Nobody saw that coming. Yep. And so it shocked everybody. And what the movie offered at the time. In 1960, when that movie came out, things were still pretty pure and sweet and honeyfied. And then out comes Psycho. And it just rocked everybody. It There's nothing like it there just isn't the score is fantastic the performances are fantastic the settings fantastic you can still visit the set it still stands at universal studios it's uh there's nothing like psycho you own the bates motel sign too do i do yes as a matter of fact (laughs) i've been to the actual bates motel and it's so popular they just finished out the bates motel series which is a really good series yes that's good to be watching by the way if you have netflix i think they have that on netflix All right, very good. So, whatever your taste is when it comes to horror movies, (laughs) you've got plenty of options, and you now have been given maybe even some more ideas when it comes to them. And there are going to be some spooky movies this season at the Bemidji Theater, so don't miss out. Jigsaw is coming. Uh, So if you've missed the Saw franchise, there you go. It's coming to theaters here pretty quick, and if it's by the time when you're listening to this, it may already be in theaters. So coming out later this month. I'm Joel Hoover. I am dastardly Dave Brooks. And he sure is. (laughs) Clearly Dave enjoys this time of year quite a bit in case you couldn't tell. But thank you for joining us today for Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. And we will see you at at the the movies. movies.